heart. I want to drop a thought that is the beginning of the conversation. It's not meant to be an end-all, but I want you to take this word this week and ponder it and say, God, how would you apply this in my life? Now, suddenly, suddenly, that's, that's a quickly moment. That's an unexpected moment. It's a moment in time when things shift in your life. It's a shift. Uh, five months ago, Dwayne and I had the privilege to go to Pakistan and to go preach the gospel in that nation and to deepen relationships with global partners over there. And if you've ever been on an international flight, uh, how many know they can be a little uncomfortable, uh, especially in the economy section, uh, which is where we were flying, uh, the cheap seats. Uh, I don't understand it because I felt like you probably, I felt like the seats were smaller in the international flight. I was like, no, no, we Americans, we bigger. Like we got to get some. And uh, it was a 24-hour travel day. Anybody ever traveled 24 hours? It's like, good Lord. Um, okay, I want to go there, but not that bad. And we left at night and I was thinking, well, surely, Dwayne, we're going to sleep through the night. It's a 13 and a half hour flight. But I mean, no, it is really hard to sleep when you're like this, much less breathe. You're like, all right, I'm about to breathe. Would you just, all right, you take your breath and, and you're trying to watch movies just to entertain your, your, your uncomfortable, like get my mind off of what's happening. And, and so it was interesting in the flight, we had a layover at Istanbul after about 13 and a half hours overnight. We get into a country, we don't speak the language, most of them didn't speak English, so we're trying to figure out where we're supposed to go. Dwayne and I are exhausted, neither one of us slept, we're hungry, got a little bit of food and found our way over to the gate uh, where the departure was going to take place for us to actually get into Pakistan. And Dwayne and I are sitting down and the gate attendant calls and we figured they were loading the plane because they, a bunch of people start to get up and it's not the efficiency of what we enjoy here in the States. And so a line that should have taken maybe 10 minutes took about 45 and you're back in the back, and we're, we're like, man, we just want to get on the plane. And actually, we're just saying, I just want to get to Pakistan so we get some sleep. And we knew we had this plane ride to go on. Well, we get up to the gate attendant, and uh, Dwayne goes ahead of me and gives him ticket and passport and say, Mr. Green, yes, and walks through. And then I give him my ticket and my passport, and the gate attendant says, oh, Mr. Kyle's. I said, yeah, well, Dwayne turned around. He saw some kind of an inflection in their voice. Well, he is my bodyguard, right? He's going he's gonna to throw down if something's wrong. Uh, and so he turns around. I don't know what he would have done, but I appreciated him turning around. Maybe I wasn't getting on the flight. I thought I was in trouble. And, and, and the, the flight or the gate attendant said, Mr. Kyles, you've actually been upgraded to business class. Mm. Come on, somebody. I'm like, praise God. There is a God in it. I mean, no, suddenly I shift classes. I went from the economy. It even makes you walk differently. Like you just like, oh. Now, I did think for a second. Now, Dwayne, now I got my buddy. My buddy is right there. And I thought, no, I'm going to business class, bro. I'm leaving you. <laughs> there was a suddenly shift. I wasn't expecting it. I was just minding my business. And let me tell you, for the next four and a half hours, I slept like a baby, all lounged out. I was like. Ah, oh, just praise God for the, it was a shift, it was a suddenly, you, you know this church was started on a suddenly. 
I don't know if you know the story. I, I was on staff at a church for four years. The Lord really began to speak to Phyllis and I about transition. And I was in South Africa in 2011, 2012, the latter part of 11 in the beginning of 2012. The Lord said, this is a year of transition. Well, then I'm like, I don't know what transition is, God. He said, just, just begin to just pray. And so we're praying and didn't tell anybody. And I'm serving and sensing God's doing something, but I remained faithful with where God had me. I didn't get out of the position of where God had placed me. And I walked into a weekly meeting, literally a weekly meeting with my pastor, my boss, Pastor Randy Clark, the one I was serving, and literally within just a matter of moments, walked out of the meeting with the assignment to come and plant a church in Rosenberg, Texas. Can you imagine just walking into a meeting and suddenly walking out saying, Phyllis, in fact, I called her and I said, hey, Phyllis, I think we're going to launch a church. I feel like that's, we just walked out with an assignment. She says, what? We're going to launch a church. I'm like, absolutely. It was a suddenly moment. Everybody say suddenly. It was a shift. It was a change. It was going one way in one moment. The next moment, my life had radically been altered. Suddenlies are turnaround moments. That's what we believe and we know. See, you could be in bondage when you walked into church and suddenly God delivers you from the bondage that you've been living in. You could be in depression in one moment, thinking about thoughts of suicide, and then have a moment of prayer, and suddenly now your heart has the hope of God in your life. Something has shifted suddenly. You can be afraid and fearful. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, as you pray, God will shift that, and you start to have peace that passes all understanding. Now, the situation didn't change. The environment didn't change. What changed? A suddenly took place in your life. You could be sick. We saw this last year with the revival with Pastor Benny Perez was here praying for people and people miraculously healed, manifested healings. They walked into the Dream Center sick and instantly God healed them. There was a suddenly that took place. And what I believe is this is a year where we grab a hold of the suddenly that God has for us. And I want to give you just three examples of suddenly. The Bible actually talks about suddenly 87 times in the Bible. In Isaiah 29 verse 5, uh, Israel is being defeated by the Assyrians. The prophet Isaiah begins to prophesy to the people what the Lord has spoken to him for the people. So you can imagine the Assyrians are defeating them. They've been uh, in turmoil. Uh, they're, they're, they've got no hope. They're hopeless. And then look at the word that the Lord gives Isaiah for the children of Israel in verse 5 of chapter 29. It says, but, say it with me, say, but, but. suddenly, suddenly. Suddenly, like instantly, going down this direction, but there's been a shift to another direction. It says, your ruthless enemies will be crushed like the finest of dust. Your many attackers will be driven away like chaff before the wind. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly again, in an instant. What do you mean, pastor? In an instant, everything changed. 
In an instant, the enemies that were attacking on all sides got destroyed. Some of you are fighting the enemy that is trying to destroy your family. Some of you feel like I'm being attacked on all sides. It's not just my marriage, it's my kids. It's not just my marriage and kids, but it's my finances. It's not just my marriage, my kids, my finances, but it's my health. My health. And I feel like I've been attacked on all sides. All hell has broken loose. I want you to know you need to get your hopes up, get your, your expectation up that this is a year for suddenly, that God's going to do something suddenly in your life. Suddenly. Hope in the darkness. The second example I want to share this morning is Mark chapter 4, verse 39. It's a great example of suddenly Jesus has spoken to the disciples. They're at the Sea of Galilee, and he is saying, look, I want to go from this side of the Sea of Galilee to the other side. I want you all to go with me in this journey. Now, the Sea of Galilee is actually 680 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by cliffs. And so there's this wind that gusts off the cliffs, comes down to the sea, and so many times there will be these storms that take place that are violent squalls that take place as boats travel from one side to the other. Well, the disciples get caught up in this storm. Can you imagine? Think about it. Jesus, I thought you said to get in this boat. Oh, I did. Jesus, I thought you said to go to the other side. See, some of us, the, the enemy begins to attack and you begin to question, God, I thought you said do this or do that. God, I thought you were with me. And the truth is, just because you're being attacked doesn't mean you've done anything wrong, doesn't mean God's left you. It just means the enemy is trying to destroy you. And so you got to say, look, I'm in your boat, God. You're with me. And then look at what happens in this story. Jesus then wakes up. Can you imagine he was sleeping? The storm is such a violent storm that the disciples are afraid. Now, the disciples would not have been strangers to these storms. They were fishermen. They understood what would take place and they would have these happen. This must have been a violent storm. One in which they were so afraid that they thought they were going to lose their life and Jesus is sleeping. Now, I would propose it's not because he doesn't care. It's not because he's not concerned. It's not because he doesn't love them. It's because he knows he has all authority. I am that I am. And look at what he says. Look, he rebukes the wind and says to the waves, silent, be still, and suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. The wind stopped, and there was calm. Some of you are going through the storms of life, and you need a suddenly this year. You need the winds to stop. You need the darkness to go. That's where I propose God is our hope in the darkness, that this is a year of breakthrough. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't say, God, you've left me. God hasn't left you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God is with you, and this is your year of suddenly. And what I want to do is I want to just give you one thought as we prepare for this suddenly to happen in our life. Because really, if, if we understand suddenly, some suddenlies happen and there's nothing you can do about it. You didn't have anything to do to get you there. It's just a God thing. It just happens. But there are instances in the Bible where people position themselves in a way for God suddenly to happen. And I'm a proactive person. I want to know, God, what are some things that I can do to have your suddenly break out into my life? 
And I want to share with you in Joshua chapter 6 what I believe the key is to position yourself for a suddenly in your life. Now, this is the story where Joshua takes the children of Israel uh, into the promised land. If you remember, if you've been around Christianity uh, for a while, you would know this. If you're new, let me just catch you up. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. God delivers them through Moses, and then they go into the wilderness to go to the promised land, but they didn't get to the promised land because of their doubt, their murmuring, and their unbelief. So they spend 40 years circling a mountain that should have taken 11 to 12 days to get to the promised land. But Joshua is taking a new generation after the 40th year into the promised land that God had given to them, and God says, I want you to take the first city, which is Jericho. I'm going to give it to you. And that's where we pick up in verse 1 through 5. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or no one was allowed to come out. It says, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. And I love that because God gave them a promise. Here's my question to you. What promise has God given to you? Oh, well, I don't know that he's given you a promise. Yes, every one of us, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us. Maybe your marriage isn't doing so good. God will drop in. I can fix that. I can heal that. Maybe you're walking through depression. The Holy Spirit will say, I'll give you something that will change your life. You don't have to be depressed. Maybe it's sickness. God says, I am the healer. Isaiah 53, 5 says, by your stripes we are healed. That is a promise from God. So what promise are you? believe in God for in your life. And he tells them, look, I'm going to give you Jericho. It's kings and all its strong warriors. And there's some instructions I'm going to give you. Look at God. He's like, I'm going to give it to you, but you've got to play your part. And this is what I believe as Christians sometimes we miss. We want God to do the supernatural, but we don't want to do the natural. No, 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 God, just fix it. God's like, yeah, but you need to be a part of it. So I always look at it like this. When I do my part, God does his part. The miracle happens somewhere in the middle. And that's what we're going to see here. You have fighting men that should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times. So he said, look, as, as a nation... Put your priest in front with ram's horns. Walk around the city once a day for six days. But on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times. And then he says, look, with the priest blowing their horns. And when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Think about that. So here Joshua's been given instructions there are a few that are leading, the priests are leading, but the victory happens because everyone is involved. I think that's a great picture of the local church. My calling is to blow the horn. My calling is to tell you the instructions of God, but we will not receive victory until all of the people come together and do what God has placed in your life. The body of Christ is a body, and we need eyes and ears and nose and toes and fingers, every person playing their part. Why? Because the victory is ours. It says, they'll shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Think about it. 
the victory didn't happen just because God said it. God did it miraculously. The people actually had to participate. And when you look at it, how many know that's a little silly? Like, I'm just going to walk around this thing, God, right? Like, where's our swords? Where's our shields? We're supposed to be going out to battle to take in this, this whole city. But you want us to march. You want the priest to go out. And then you want us to shout like we've won. But we hadn't won anything, but you want us to do it anyway. Isn't that what worship is all about? God, I come on a Sunday morning. I'm going to sing your praises. I'm going to get in your presence. I'm going to worship you even though I haven't experienced the healing, the restoration, the deliverance that I feel like you've called me to have. Even though I haven't experienced, I'm still going to worship anyway. I'm preaching. I didn't mean to get all excited. And it would have been a miracle for these walls to come down. Listen, there were actually two walls to Jericho. The first wall would have been about six feet high. Uh, there would have been a, a gap in between it. The, it would have been like a retaining wall with an embankment that would have spread 20 feet and then another wall about 12 to 14 feet. So there's actually two walls. And, and you can imagine the impenetrable force of those walls. Not just one wall. See, sometimes we think, well, it's just one wall. No, no, it's two. It's huge. It's impossible. But God, look in verse 20. It says, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. So when you look at the story, they got into position to experience God suddenly. See, God didn't say how they would capture the city. He just said they would capture it. And so here's my one thought. Obedience positions me for God suddenly. Obedience. Obedience. Israelites did what they could. God did what he did. The miracle happened somewhere in the middle. And it all started with obedience. And this is what I would encourage each and every one of us this year with this suddenly theme. Why don't you... Make sure we're listening, we're positioning ourselves, we're listening. God, what is it that you're asking me to do? I believe some of you, God is asking you to spend more time with him. Prayer, you, you say, I've never really prayed on my own. Let this be a year where you say, God, I'm going to give you prayer time. I'm going to focus on you. Get up just 15 minutes early in the morning, read a scripture, sing some worship, and then pray a prayer and say, God, I'm going to move towards you because what I've realized is miracles happen on the steps of obedience. Like, God, you are drawing me closer, so I'm going to take a step. Everybody say a step. I'm going to take a step in your direction. I'm going to begin to pray. Pray, and I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to make it a regular part of my life. Some of you have been asking God to deliver you financially, and God said, you're doing all the other things great, but I need you to start tithing. What is that? That's taking a step of obedience, saying, okay, God, I'm going to step towards you in faith. Even though I don't know how all these other bills are going to get paid, I'm going to give you the first and the best, and when I do, that miracle is going to happen somewhere in the middle. What's happening? I'm taking a step of obedience that positions me for the suddenly. Taking a step. So think about, I, I love the spiritual journey. The spiritual journey, the way I look at it, is I just want to take steps. What is, what is my next step? 
God, what are you speaking to me? Some of you, you, you've come here to the church and Anchor Bend, and it's been amazing, but you feel like God is calling you to go to next steps, which every one of you ought to go to next steps. It's not just a class that we offer, and it's like if you want to. No, it is our system to help you uncover God's purpose for your life. We believe that design reveals destiny. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? That means that nobody here is an accident, that God has created you with a certain personality. God has created you with spiritual gifts. And when I uncover my personality, when I uncover my gifts, it is now a, a roadmap, a blueprint of where God would call me to come alive in this life. Did you know over 80% of the people, 87% of Christians come to church each and every week and have never discovered their why? Can you imagine, like, God, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to serve you. I'm going to show up. Well, that's, that's where I, I would challenge you to say, God, I think you're asking me to go to this next steps thing. And today is a great day. We're actually going to do step one where we talk about the mission, the vision, the values of this church. We're going to talk about overseers and how we manage money and what the vision is all about. And so you say, well, God, I'll do it because that is taking a step of obedience. Can I get an amen? Just take a step. Some say, I don't feel like it. Well, this is the, the year for suddenly, suddenly. You know, I was thinking about maybe the Lord's talking to you about serving, coming a part of the Dream Center, serving here at the church. Maybe you've gone to next steps. But it's easy for us to say, well, I don't have time or I just can't make it happen. And this is what I've learned. God, it may not even make sense, but if I'll take a step, you will meet me as I'm taking steps. There are suddenlies that happen when we obey the voice of God that's speaking to our life. Some of you, look, you, you, you need to get involved. I'm going to encourage you to get involved in a small group, to do life with people. So I get it. Sometimes a small group can be scary. You're like, I, I just want to show up on a Sunday and be anonymous. But did you know the devil picks us off as we're anonymous? We were never intended to live on an island by ourselves. We were intended to live in tribes and groups where people are loving you and praying for you and reaching out to you. And that's what this small group's all about. And someone said, well, I'm afraid they may not like me. My question is, what if they do like you? In fact, they probably won't just like you. They'll love you. So then who is it hurting by not taking a step of obedience? And so we say, you know, God, I want to experience the freedom in my life. Well, God calls us to experience freedom in the context of relationships. He says, confess your faults one to another. James 5, 16, confess your faults, not to God, but to one another. And then it says, pray for each other that you might be healed. Isn't that interesting? See, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. We live life and confess our faults to one another for healing. And so the devil wants you to live isolated all by yourself because he doesn't want you to experience healing. He can't take your salvation, but he will try to take your wholeness. He will try to keep you from experiencing the, the freedom that God wants us to experience because this is what we know. You will never be able to give what you do not have. And if I've not experienced freedom, which I loved Brenda and, and Ethan and Vanessa and all the, the people, uh, Patrice, everybody in there, you know, most of them were saying, I was accepted. I was loved. I didn't have to change. And that's one of the things that we understand as a church, that if we will love you, then God will change you. It's not my job to change you. My job is to love you. Let God do his work. And as we see that happen, people are set free. I want to encourage you 
to begin to take steps, whatever the step is that you need to do for to get into position to obey the word of God in your life. And, you know, I want to encourage, sometimes we take steps. You know, I, I can just imagine some people said, well, you know, I, I started serving on the dream team and I'm going to talk about the dream team. How many love our dream team? Isn't it amazing what God's done? We have almost 400 of you serving each and every week and setting these stages up in the children's environments and all that, that takes place. And you know, sometimes you can do something for a while and you think, is it really working? Am I really, God, I don't feel different. It doesn't seem different. I don't even know if I'm seeing some results. But God, I, I thought you brought me to this church. God, I thought you brought me here to run the play and to discover my purpose. And I've been doing it now for a year, two years, three years, like what Phyllis said, maybe even four years. And you're like, man, I've been looking for a suddenly, but it hadn't really happened. I want to give you some hope. I was doing some study, and I found this tree called a Chinese bamboo tree. Anybody ever heard of a Chinese bamboo tree? Yeah, I'd never really heard of it before. And uh, Chinese bamboo tree is very interesting. You know, when you plant the seed for a tree, how do you know most of the time it comes right up? It's like you you like, woo, I got woo, I got a pear tree, I got a woo, apple tree. It's you start to see some of well, that gets you excited. You're like, man, thank God the seed I planted is starting to grow. But did you know that a Chinese bamboo tree, it doesn't show any progress for five years. Five years. Can you imagine planting a seed and saying, okay, year one, <laughs> ain't no bamboo tree. Okay, year two, nothing. Year three, my goodness, what, I got to keep watering something? It must have died under there. Year four, year five, in the fifth year, after it has developed root systems and the ability on the inside and underneath the ground, nobody can see it. Nobody knows what's happening but God. All of a sudden, on the fifth year, within five weeks, it will grow to over 90 feet tall. 90 feet. Suddenly. See, I want to tell you that God is moving behind the scenes even when you can't see it. Some of you, you, the devil wants you to get discouraged. Why? Because your suddenly is this year. The devil wants you to stop serving. The devil wants you to stop giving. The enemy is coming to attack. It seems like all hell is broken loose. And you think, God, did I do something wrong? I want you to know you didn't do anything wrong. You've done everything right. Don't quit. Don't stop. God is the hope in your darkness. And this year, suddenly, suddenly, when you least expect it, the turnaround happens. Why? Just because you've been faithful to the Word of God. You've been faithful to what He spoke to you. You didn't quit. You surrounded yourself with people that love you. And I believe this is the year of suddenly. Supernatural. Finances. Marriage. Relationships. Promotions. Jobs. And, and here's the beauty of it. You've been sowing. You've been sowing. You've been God. It's, whether it's your time, your talent, your treasure, you just keep giving. God, I'm going to keep nurturing that even though I can't see it. Year three, I, I, I still can't see it. But God, I'm nurturing. I'm going to stay faithful. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, turnaround moment, shift, things change. This is your year. Father, I pray over each person. Lord, even as you're stirring hearts, God, I'm asking you to be, let this be a turnaround year. Lord, this suddenly take place. 
God, the moment where things shift in lives. God, there are people here right now in their marriage, there has to be a suddenly. God, in their finances, God, you, the suddenly, God, I pray that you would give them ears to hear and that they could hear what you tell them to do and do it and obey and say, God, we're getting in position. And Lord, we pray, do what you can do. And, and God, the miracle take place. God, give us hope to continue moving forward. Give us strength to not quit. Help us surround ourselves with people that love us unconditionally, that would encourage us strengthen us. And Lord, we pray that this is a year of suddenly. God, move in a mighty way. We invite your presence into our lives, into our families, into our, our businesses, into our jobs, into every area. God, there's not any place that's off limits. We surrender our lives fully and completely to you. God, I pray that bondages would turn to freedom, fear to peace, Sickness to health, defeat to victory. God, we choose to not quit. This is our year. We thank you for that. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You know, we're talking about suddenly. But before suddenly happens and we get into position, we have to surrender our lives to God first, wholly and completely. That he would be the Lord and Savior of our lives. That's what Romans 10, 9 says. That if we confess Jesus as the Lord of our life, believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the death that has entered our life through sin. We as people, when we were born and conceived, David in the psalmist says, in iniquity I was conceived, in sin I was born. From the very youngest of age, there has been this void in our life. And religion will never fill that void. Some people say, if I could just be good enough. Look, when we are distant from God, when we have no relationship with God, it's not about being good enough. It's not about being a better person. That's the lie of religion. Like, my good deeds can outweigh my bad deeds. And if they do, maybe I'll make it into heaven. No, no, no. No, no. It's not about making you better. It's bringing you from death to life, the resurrection power of God invading our hearts as we surrender everything to Him. But it's a decision you have to make. No one can make it for you, your parents, your friends, the person that brought you, only you can make it. And right now, the power of God is in this place. It's an opportunity for you to surrender your life fully and completely to Him. And heads are bowed, eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. But if that's you, you say, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life wholly to Him, to make Him my Lord and my Savior. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to pray this prayer with me. What I'm asking you to do, not stand up or come down, but I am going to ask you to raise your hand as just an act of surrender. You say, that's me, Pastor. Just one, two, three. If that's you, you say, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready. Confess him as Lord. Just raise your hand up. Yes, yes. Come on, raise it up high. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, yes. Come on, church. Tell him how proud you are of him. It's a moment that God has. I want us to do this. Can we just pray this together? Can we say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you everything. I give you all my hopes. I give you all my dreams. 
give you my life right now in Jesus' name. Everyone say, come on, worship God this morning.